last thing I need to mention to you, it's important not just for you, but people who are watching online. Um, because of our outreach and our expansion of the new buildings and that, um, we are working really hard to expand our partner base. And we at one time had a really fine partner base, people who supported only because we were airing on TV. And um, anyway, we want to just mention today real quick that if you are here and you want to support as a partner, and what that means is you get access to things that we don't uh, provide access to everybody. You get special emails, special gifts sent to you, uh, whether it's things that I've put together or from other people and ministries. Um, but nonetheless, uh, partnering with us, meaning that you're partnering beyond your, your normal giving, that some people choose to partner like we partner with other ministries and Cornerstone and Michael Rowan Ministries and um, uh, K-Love and different other ministries we're partners of as a church. And so if you want to partner and uh, above what you give and do, that's you giving specifically to outreach, specifically to the buildings up there, Lord Jesus, uh, um, to uh, Norma's Closet, to help with food distributions, for uh, expanding our TV ministry. We told you a few weeks ago another network out, in, out west wants to pick us up. Well, that doesn't just happen. It also takes money to do that. And so uh, all of these things that we're doing lo locally and, and throughout the tri-state and above. So if you want to partner, there's these little cards. You don't even have to give now. It's you taking the card, filling it out, saying, I want to. That way those ladies in the office are staying in contact with you and um, are able to, to, you're able to have access to the special things, special emails. There's even teaching, there's letters, there's all kinds of things. There's special uh, podcast and teaching that goes out to you at times as well. So um, that's that, and these will be available after um, service today. If you're interested in that, we're just expanding partnership. And to everybody who's online watching, you can connect and be a partner right on the website as well. And so we're grateful for that. What's a partner do? They give $15 or more a month. That's it. Most of our partners give somewhere around that wage, that range. Can you believe that? Most of the people who make a difference, it's not. We're grateful for big givers. Aren't you glad? Amen. Some people have it to give. Hallelujah. But I'm really also really grateful for people who say, preacher, I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich, but I can give $5. We have a couple, uh, a man and his girlfriend. They're in their 80s. They live in Butler, Pennsylvania, and they send $5 all the time regularly because it's what they can afford and they enjoy watching us online hallelujah i'm grateful for people like that that just say you know what i can't do what others do another lady sent a hundred dollar bill in the mail which i don't advise but she watches from pittsburgh and she said i've watched you and she said i used to play piano she said you play so beautifully and she said i've watched you for so long i've never been able to to really help watch this she got her rent rebate come on she, it, it's tight enough she was getting a rent rebate and she gets a rent rebate and she sends us a $100 bill out of that rent rebate. Come on. You know, those are the people that are making a difference. Trust me, it's not the millionaires or people that are wealthy and rich. I'm grateful for them. We have people in Florida that send up and, and bless and, and, and all of those things, but it is the people who give what they can, 15 bucks a month that are making a difference that keep this ministry doing what we do. And when people say, how do you feed all those people? Because people give them 15 bucks a month. That ain't no exaggeration. That is the truth. That's why we're able to do what we do. That's how we're able to afford all these properties and bills. And sometimes Lois is like, I don't know. Um, we're running a full building, a central area up there. My God, it quadrupled what we run here. Our expenses, that's what I mean. You need partners to be able to do these things. Hallelujah. And so partners make the difference and are going to allow us to expand. And we have some great things in the pipeline 
Pastor Donnie and I are working on and we'll be announcing soon. Say soon. And very soon. My God. We're going to see the king. And soon and very soon you're going to hear about some more things that are great and awesome. And it will be exciting. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if you're interested, see us and these will be available right after church. Glory to God. Now, are you ready for the book of Nehemiah? We're going to preach here and then we're going to, I know we got lunch downstairs so you'll get your belly full. You'll have a good day. Some of you should have came in really shouting because the Steelers won last night. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. I'm just saying that for the benefit of just a brother that uh, we want to remind him that they won. Hallelujah. He's, he's not, still not a fan, but hallelujah. By the end of this season, we'll make him a fan, I believe. Let's just pray. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're just playing. See, you really should have came in with your praise on for everybody who's a Steeler fan. Amen. Glory to God. How many have ever asked the question, who, me? Mm. Who, me? We posted something late last night, a little picture of a baby who goes, who, me? It's cute. People try to give you a job that you didn't think you qualify for. Who, me? God's calling you to something. Who, me? Or we get in trouble when we try to play it off. Who, me? You think I did that? Mm. And at some point through this message this morning, you might be asking yourself that question, who, me? I believe what we are supposed to be in the body of Christ are builders. If there's anything that we are to be is a builder. Builders. Building what? Building people. Amen. Building people. We're not supposed to be building churches, but we're building people. Hallelujah. People are, should always be more important than our buildings. People are always more important than our budget. Yeah, we just took a few moments to emphasize partnership because without it, you know, we'd sink. But, but people are more important than budgets. Above everything, what church is about is people. And it takes people to reach people. Oh, yes, it does. Hallelujah. And so we're people builders, if nothing else. All right. But, but we're builders. If we want to sum it up, we are builders. Say, I'm a builder. And look with me in Nehemiah chapter 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Nehemiah chapter 4. It's so quiet in here. What's going on? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nehemiah 4. Watch this. I'm just going to read four verses. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. 
And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Watch this. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned? Mm. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Oh, Lord. If we had more time, I would read on. There's some great things through here, even in the text that comes up right after verse 4 in the following verses. But I, that's not my focus this morning. My focus is right here in these first four verses, believe it or not. Hallelujah. Look at, I want you to focus right there on verse 2, right at the, right at the end. Will they revive the stones? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Oh, hallelujah. Say, I'm burnt, but I'm building. Mm. Go ahead up there. Hallelujah. Say, I'm burnt. But I'm building. I got to get something in your spirit today. I'm telling you, I'm burnt, but I'm building. See, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. You and I are builders today. Hallelujah. And my, my objective today, I believe, is just to wake up the builder in all of you. I know for the last number of while, we've been bringing words of encouragement, words that would help to build you up. But this is, is a word to kind of stoke you a little bit, to awaken the builder in you. To awaken that in you that says, Lord, what is it that you're asking of me to do? Mm. To, to talk to the part of you that says, I know what it is to be burnt. Some of you might know what it's like to be burnt by people. Burnt by church. Burnt by family. Burnt by work. We can be burned by a lot of things, right? But, but see, we can be burnt, but we can still be building. And I'm going to show you, hopefully this morning, how to do that. How do, I, how do I be a person that's been burned so bad that I feel like I don't want to get up again, that I don't want to do it again, but that I can still be a builder? That's one of the th great things that's so awesome about Nehemiah and the man that he was and the ministry that he, that, that, that he brings to the text. But I, I want to give you just a quick background this morning on this before we talk about the builder in each of you. And to before we talk about those of you who, who may have fe may have fe felt like or are feeling like that you've been burnt before that that we're we're, we're reading in this text and, and and just to give you an understanding that that the Babylonian army has they've already laid siege to Jerusalem all right and and many many people have they've already lost their lives and uh, they've lost others lost places that they were settling in and uh, I've taught before on, 
on uh, out and near this text and just months ago we talked a little bit about Nehemiah and 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 you might remember that even uh, some of these uh, people some of the women and that they were even raped and, and and treated terribly and and bloodied and battered and bruised in the midst of their captivity and here they are that we pick up in the text where their city is really lying in ruin it's lying in ruin and a silence has overtaken the city how many have ever some of you can relate to that when when life has happened to you in such a way that it will sometimes silence you when 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 you've been devastated so bad that it takes it you just become silent it, you can't pray or praise it's not that you're mad at anybody you just don't want to talk to nobody it will silence you are you hearing me uh, think about uh, uh, when when 9-11 happened as loud as, as things were there was really a silence over the city of New York a hush devastation had occurred but it wasn't that we were crying out whether in anger, anger or grief we were just silent you really couldn't hear anything. A silence had overtaken it. So life sometimes can happen to you and I so bad that it will, it will take your voice, that it will silence you. Hallelujah. And so that's really what's happened. The city's lying in ruin and silence has really overtaken the entire city. But silence may, be, may have overtaken the city in the moment. But if we would look back in Scripture about 70 years earlier, God had made a promise. He made a promise to his people. And, and you, one thing you and I should know about God, I don't care if you're young in God or new in, in who, knowing who God is. One thing about God is if he ever makes a promise to you, you, you rest assured, rest assured that he never forgets what he promised you. Amen. That's one thing that you and I can be for sure of. Amen. And so 70 years earlier, although they're standing in the midst of a city in ruin. God had made a promise to them. Some of you need to remember that when you and I are standing in the midst of ruin or devastation, hallelujah, that even if you're standing in the midst of it, even if you're devastated by it, come on, even when I am burnt by people like I have been recently, I'm going to tell you something. I have to remind myself of what God promised me, that what they did or what they said, it really doesn't matter, or whatever devastation that you are standing in the midst of, amen, we have got to remain standing on the promises of God. When I preached that funeral this week I had to remind those family and friends that even while I stood by the bedside of that man the previous Tuesday and was was assured of his place with God was assured that he was saved sanctified Holy Ghost healed water baptized Jesus on his mind and ready to meet heaven are you hearing me because you know it's more than oh Jesus forgive me There's a whole lot more to it. And so we, we made sure all of those things were good. And, 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 and then we, we were getting ready to pray. And, and, and just as I was getting ready to check his salvation, he, the man looked at me, Wayne looked at me, and he said, Preacher, don't look worried. It's not over. The man's hours from dying. And he was still remaining in faith. That's what I reminded that family of while we gathered for his funeral. It wasn't that I was concerned. I was concerned for the family of what I knew was coming. 
making sure that everyone was okay. Are you hearing me? He stayed in faith. Why was he able to stay in faith even though he was moments away from passing this earth? It's because he knew in whom the God that he served, he understood the promises that God had made. Are you hearing me? He knew that whether he lived or whether he died, God has made a promise over his life. He knew that if he did his part, that rest assured, God would do his. You and I have to be a people that doesn't matter what devastation that we are standing in right now, that we can be rest assured that God is going to do his part. All we've got to do is just trust and believe in, and believe in what he has said already. The promises that he has declared and decreed are yes and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes and amen. Now, I want you to remember, remember something that all the people, that, those that were exiled, those that were held captive, they watched as the Babylonian empire became, began to crumble. And the Bible says that this man Cyrus sends out a decree. He sends out a decree and he, years later, that, that, that anyone who wants to go back and rebuild the temple, well, they can go back, all right? And so the people that he's speaking to are really in a dilemma because they're free, but they're not really free. He's saying, you can go back if you want to and be a part of this, but you're free, but you're really not. We're gonna, we're gonna maintain a certain control over you, amen? Let me put it this way. They're free, but they're still impoverished. They're free, but they're left without resources. Amen. They're, they're free, but they're emotionally wiped out and distraught. They're, they're living a life of devastation. And so, in other words, they're looking at a problem they cannot fix. It was painful for these people to look at a problem that they cannot fix. It's one thing for you and I to look at something that we know how to fix. You know, when you're doing something around the house and whether you know how to fix it, and you're like, mm, I can do that. It's a whole other thing when I get involved in something that I think I can fix, or at least I think I have the confidence to figure it out. And I get so far in, come on, I've, I've dealt with this recently. And I get so far in, and then I realize, oh, I really don't know what to do next. I know what it should look like in the end. Come on, I know what it should look like in the end, but, but how do I get from where I am right now to the finished product, amen? And so he, that's sort of what they're in. They're in a position where, 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 where they don't know, they know it needs to be fixed, but they don't know how to fix it, hallelujah. It, it's one thing to look at a problem and know how to fix it, but it's something entirely different to look at a problem and not really know anywhere where to begin, amen? That's like some of you knowing your car has something wrong with it and you lift the hood and you think, uh, how many have ever driven down the road and you see people with their hood up? What you doing? That You don't know what you're doing. You, you do it as a sign for help, only you're too proud to be able to say, help me, please. But I need it to look like I know what I'm doing, so I'll at least open the hood. And some of you ladies and men, you just go, you don't know one thing under that hood. You wouldn't know the battery from the brakes, but you're looking. Amen. At least somebody's being honest in here. Amen. You, you, you don't know. 
and yet we'll give a we'll give a look like we we'd like to know. But it's another thing if your car breaks down and you know everything about how that thing hums and ticks, and you you when you hear a noise, you know. I, I heard a noise. I was like, oh. Mm, that's not good. That's a wheel bearing. I know I need to get that checked. Uh-huh. I, I know that because I've had that happen a time or two, right? Uh, some of you know a sound and what that sound means. Others of you, you just drive it and you think, well, it'll fix itself or until the wheel falls off. See, it's one thing if you have a problem and you know how to fix it. It's entirely different if you have a problem and you don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to begin. Oh, come on. Some of us, whether it's our families or our car or our finances or our church or in the kingdom of God, we have a problem and we don't know how to fix it. I'm telling you, these are a people that they're in a dilemma because they're free but not really free and they have a problem and they, they, they see what needs to be done but they're not all entirely sure how to fix it. They need somebody. They need somebody to, to, that, that will come by to try to give them help. But I'm so glad that all of God's promises are yes and amen. And that 70 years earlier, God had given them a promise that, that, that they will rebuild a wall, that, that he will raise up somebody that would be the help. He will raise up and send the mechanic that they might need to fix their car. Hallelujah. That he'll raise up a construction worker. He'll raise up somebody in ministry that knows a little bit about cutting boards and and some masonry work to be able to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Are you hearing me? And so God had in his mind all along of a man he would raise up named Nehemiah. Because when God makes a promise, you can always hold him to it. Are you hearing me? See, while they were there looking, thinking, we don't really know where to even begin, God says, I've got a man. I've got a man that I'm sending about to send on assignment. And this is what's interesting is you might not always like the man and you might not always agree. You, you might give thanks for him today and tomorrow he might get on your nerves. See, some of you don't, uh, don't get that. See, God will intentionally put people in your lives, especially leaders in your life. You're not always supposed to like them. They're supposed to get on your nerves because if they didn't, that would never challenge you. Wives, your husbands are supposed to get on your nerves. Husbands, your wives are supposed to get on your nerves. I'm telling you the truth. Nehemiah was a man that, that, that God anointed and appointed. And then when he came in and they realized, like, oh, we have the help. They didn't always get along and they didn't always agree. That's the way it's supposed to be. You and I don't always agree with our president. We don't always agree with, with our uh, other elected officials. You don't always agree with me. I didn't always agree with my spiritual father. That's just the way that it goes. When God anoints and appoints people into your lives, you're not supposed to be a yes man or any of those things. You, they're supposed to frustrate you and to irritate you. Why? Because they were sent to kill your flesh. And when you get mad, that just lets me know there's more of you to die. See, when people get mad at me, I just say, well, there's more I got to kill. You're just revealing to me the part of you that needs to die. Oh, see, uh, see, I told you I was going to preach truth to you. Hallelujah. I got some mad this week. We had so much going on this week. I, I wasn't just a pastor and doing funerals. I was cleaning the church, and then we were doing a food distribution. We were mowing grass. Glory to God. David saw me so frustrated with that weedery. I could have mashed that thing in the middle of Connellsville Street. Self-feeder my rear end. I'll tell you what. They need to take those things and completely reinvent them because they're a hunk of junk. 
I was out the front of that church and I mean, I was on this close just to taking that whole Troy built thing and just mashing it like this. Because the day before I did that to a vacuum. Yes, I did, brother. What good's a vacuum if it ain't gonna suck when it's supposed to suck? Is anybody hearing me? See, I know you're all sitting there like, oh, the preacher lost his temper. Uh, you, yeah, I got some flesh that needs to die. Save your emails, save your comments, save your judgments. I'm gonna tell you, I'm a real person. But my, my anger is way better than where it used to be. I could take stereo systems and wail them across the wall and watch them break. I used to take dishes and bust against the wall. Anybody hearing me? The same guy that I've told you about my road rage, I would jump out of the car and my car would still be gone. So it's gotten better. You know, I'm, I'm containing it. I'm still a work in progress. All y'all who aren't laughing, you, all you, some of you that aren't laughing, you need to just get a revelation that there, there is, we're, we're human beings. Glory to God. I mean, you know, Angela's been down sick. She's the one that cleans the church and it had to be done. And so we're, we're like doing this, doing this. Everyone's hustling and muscling. We're, I, I, I've got the ladies in the office and, and Pastor Donnie, I mean, they're pulling four or five different job details and all of this stuff going on. And so I was frustrated and I was in a hurry. I'm like, there's 1,200 people going through food distribution. I'm here in here messing around with a stupid vacuum and when it didn't work, I just messed it to pieces. So when the weed whacker wouldn't work the next day, I thought, uh-huh. God, I knew. When the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and laughs, I knew. I thought, God, you are messing with me. And now I'm not inside the four walls. I'm out front. The neighbors be watching. There's guys from Buyer's Market. They're always yelling over, hey, preacher. I thought, God, now you've given me an audience. And you were sitting in the heavens and you were laughing. You thought victim number one was the vacuum. Victim number two is going to cost you more money for what you broke. I mean, it was only a $40 Eureka backroom. You know, it's the cheapest one I think you can buy at Walmart. Had it been my Dyson, bless God, I probably would have cried over it. You know, those things are like 600 bucks. Jesus. And so I'm fixing that thing, and then I realize he sits in the heavens and laughs. I'm thinking, God, you're messing with me. You are messing with me. And then the Lord spoke. He said, here you are getting frustrated. He said, you're getting frustrated because you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Are somebody hearing me? He said, you're getting frustrated because it's not what I need you to be doing. Oh, come, any, anybody, well, you all got quiet. How many of you have ever tried? That's like me trying to be a construction worker. But I don't know, Brandon Cindy must have went downstairs to, to prep your lunch. Listen, uh, we, we redid their, their house they're living in. And they walked in, their floors kind of went like this. Hallelujah. They're, 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 we had all kinds of problems, and I thought, well, I can do this. That's God, I got my circular saw, my drills, my hammers. We cut the entire floors out of their house, and then I got in there and thought, wait a minute. 
I pulled all this out. Now I got to put it back. Oh my God. Thank you, Jesus, for YouTube videos. But in the midst of that, while I didn't mind remodeling and we laid new carpet and put new two by sixes down and the whole footer of the house left go, I mean, we had to read, we got into a lot. In the midst of that, I lost my temper and I was so frustrated. It took us weeks to do something that probably would have taken some of you who are gifted and anointed to do it a couple of days. But in the midst of that, I got frustrated because I realized then, Adam, you weren't called to do this. That's why you were not in construction. I could never do it. Never could I do it. God raised up a man, Nehemiah, for these people that they looked at that rubble, they looked at those burnt stones, and they thought, man, I don't know where to even begin. And God raised up a man that knew what to do. Man, I'm thankful for the people that God sends in my life that they know what to do. They know what to do. Because there are some fights that, that will happen and that will come into your life that will knock the fight right out of you. Anybody ever hear what I'm talking about? There are some things you and I come in contact with that, that, that it knocks the fight out of you. Are you hearing me? That it'll be, it'll be, whether it's a fight in the family or a battle that you're dealing with or something you've been through. And here these people are returning to their home and seeing the walls and the city just laying in rubble and, and the cornerstones of their home. Imagine if you go home today and your home is in pieces. You can't find nothing that was in your closet, nothing from your kitchen. Everything's just in pieces. They're returning and all over the city, they're finding parts of their home and parts and things that they remember and it's lying in pieces. Imagine returning. Tell me that they're ready to do something. They, they want to do something, but they don't know what to do. They're dealing with a fight sort of that has knocked the fight out of them. They're standing in devastation. Some of us have been through some things that it's just knocked the fight right out of us. Hallelujah. There's sometimes that we'll go through stuff that it will kill the fighter in you. It'll kill that. We go through so much, we just get tired of fighting. And so they're standing there looking at the walls around Jerusalem and they're not even able to summon the courage to, to even pull their lives back together. How many of you know the reason why I said I need to awaken the builder in you is because our job are to be people builders. Our job is to be able to speak into this city, speak into the lives of those that we come in contact with, to be able to help them summon the courage to put their lives back together. Oh, come on. This week, we didn't just, we didn't just bury Wayne. And this week then, when we're standing there at lunchtime after the funeral in my home, and, and me and my mom and a couple of others sitting around, we get a text and Rick and I, and then some of you and I, we saw, some of you remember Keisha that worshiped with us, blonde, pretty girl. Had a smile like nobody else, a joy like nobody else. She'd come in here and usually sat up here or over here to pick on me. And we get a text that they found her dead. This is a girl that we were helping as a church to summon the courage to put her life back together. What we do every Monday night in an NA meeting and why this church is committed to being open on Monday nights and Fridays at noon and Saturday nights at 7.30 for all of these meetings is to help some people summon the courage 
to put their lives back together. Is somebody hearing me today? Kind of like the people of Nehemiah when they go back to where their home should be, but it's in pieces. I know most of the church would stand in judgment of these people. Most of the people will stand in judgment of how she died and why she died. Shut your mouth. Because the reason you can stand in judgment is because you did nothing. Nothing to help her put her life back together, to summon the courage. That's why we're losing them. We're losing them. People in our churches are dying from alcohol and drugs and all kind of other stuff because the church will judge them instead of awakening the builder. Oh, I'm telling you the truth. Oh, it's easy. We'll stand there and we'll point every flaw of every preacher. Look at that preacher's wife and how she's dressed. Yeah, and we'll look at all those things instead of being the builder. How many of you know that preacher's wife might need a builder? Because not everybody in church is perfect. We're just a hospital for a bunch of messed up sick people. That's all we are. Instead of chairs and pews, we need beds. I'm so tired of having chairs. One day we're just going to come in and take them all out. I'm not kidding you. We we went to a place and ministered at a place down. It's called the ramp. Karen Wheaton. No chairs. It's just a floor. And she believes... The reason is, is because if we come to church, we just get comfortable. Well, God, bless me. And she wants your experience. Unless you're plugged into God, it'll be very uncomfortable. There's not a chair. There's not a pew. It's the floor. And it's called the ramp because it goes like this. It's at a slant. So when you sit, you're already leaning. Because the only thing she wants you focused on at the ramp is your worship. Oh my. See, I'm preaching to somebody. We have to awaken the builders. We have to awaken the builders. Father, help us. So these people are standing there. They're wounded. They're exhausted. They're weary. They don't even know where to begin. But one thing, they are still the children of the Most High God. And God never forgets His own. And so because of the weakness and the meek place that they're in, God sends some help. And that's when he sent the leader named Nehemiah. Remember I said a moment ago, we're not supposed to get along and always appreciate the people that God sends in our life as leaders. See, Nehemiah was a blessing and Nehemiah was a bother. Every leader in your life should be both a blessing and a bother. Your leaders at work should be a blessing and a bother. Your leaders in your home should be a blessing. Your leaders in church should be a blessing. There's there's Sundays you should like me and Sundays you think, well, he gets on my nerves. This is how you know. These are people, let me tell you, that's how you need to identify the people that you need to hold close in your life if they are a blessing and they bother you. One day to the next. There are some days there are people I like and some days I'm like, I don't even know why I'm your friend. Am I, are you hearing me, Brenda? Are you with me? Are you understand what I'm saying? Aren't there some people like that? Thank you. At least you and I are going to be honest today. There are some people I, I'm texting. I'm like, why were you even my friend? Why do I even have you in my favorites list? Hello. You can't even text me back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
But the next time you're standing at a wall that you don't know what to do with, I know who you're calling. They're a blessing and they bother me. People that are important in your life and that you need to hold on to and that you need to make sure that you identify on who they are, they will be a blessing and they will bother you. Don't let your feelings dictate your future. Are you healing me? Your feelings, if they're bothering you to where you're getting offended and muddied and mad, mad and all of those things all the time, you need to recognize something. That is your flesh speaking to you. That is not your spirit. God never said in his word that he would protect your feelings. Oh my. One of the things you never want to do is come to me and tell me that you, I hurt you, I did this, I did that. Because right then I'm going to tell you why my job is not to protect your feelings. It's not at all. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not, but you all certainly don't mind hurting mine. That wasn't a very good message today, preacher. Boy, you could have done better. Well, these are all things I hear. That wasn't one of your best. Is somebody here? And so, there are people that are blessing me, but they're also a bother to me. They're a blessing and they're a bother. What Nehemiah represents to the children, he represents that God has given them the grace to start again. Some of you need to identify who your Nehemiahs are. That God is trying to raise up some Nehemiahs in the body of Christ. That will be representatives to those who lack the courage to put their lives back together. We, we are planted in a city that lacks the courage to put their lives back together again. I had a pastor inside this very building sitting right there listening to me worship a little bit. I had a mess of a mess up here for trying to, we were trying to fix this technical problem we had last week and we had cords and wires and speakers down and stuff all over the place and he pops in right at the bright moment of all of this going on and I thought brother you're a blessing and you're a bother hallelujah all of things that were going on going on and going around he said brother do you ever slow down I said, no. I said, I really don't. I don't have time to. The neighbor even said it too. The other day they, they passed me with the weed back on my hand. They said, Pastor, every time we see you, you're doing something different. And it said, do you ever stop? I said, no, I don't have time to. Why? Because I, my job is to give grace to the people who are in this community to start again. That is our assignment. That is what this church and every church in this community, throughout this city, and throughout this nation should be doing is we should be standing up like Nehemiah's. It's a sign and a symbol to people that we're, we're, we're going to be the demonstration of grace to help people to summon the courage to begin again. That I don't care if they're standing there looking at a marriage they don't know how to put together or stand there with $90,000 in debt that we're going to help summon the courage to put it all back together again. Whether they lost their house to a fire, we're going to help them put summon the courage to put their life together again. If they just got out of rehab, we're going to help them summon the courage. Come on, somebody in this place. The whole vision and mission of the Dream Center is our dream is to help you reach yours. The Dream Center, you know, we haven't forgotten about it. It takes $1.9 million to make that a reality. So God gave me a plan. 
We'll announce it in the next week or two. Hey, money wasn't coming in. Somebody else wants to use the building. I thought, hmm. Well, I got a plan. We're not short on buildings. Come on, our dream is to help you reach yours. And someone started to hear what I'm start trying to get across to you today, that God has designed and put together and meshed together something that is a plan and a purpose, but what he needs are builders. Somebody hear me that the people would have returned to their home and all they would have seen was rubble, burnt stones. None of them knew what to do or how to begin. But God had promised them 70 years earlier. If God promised them 70 years earlier and he knew that they were going to stand in front of a bunch of rubble and pieces of their homes, siding laying around, parts of their recliner laying in pieces and photos of their kids when they were babies. Somebody recognize what I'm saying? I mean, pieces of their life. And yet 70 years before it all blew up, God said I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you put it all back together again. And I'm going to use the broken pieces. I'm not going to use any new material. Nobody else has ever been broken. I know what it is to be broken. I know what it is to lose everything. I know what it is to lose my church and have them turn against me. I know what it is to lose family and have them turn against me. I know what it is to lose every dollar that you have and then some. I know what it is to get yourself in trouble with the with the cops. I know what it is. Oh, I know. None of you did. I know what it is to have your life in shambles. I know all of those things. And so I know what it is to stand in my life, hold my head in my hands, and look at all the pieces. How am I ever going to put this back together again? How do you become a father after your life blows up in pieces? How do you become a, a husband after you failed your family? How do you become a preacher and stand in front of your church when you failed them? tell you how God sends Nehemiah and what God needs some of us in this room and some of you didn't know it some of you have asked that question who me I said I'd bring you back around to that question maybe maybe God's calling you to be a builder like Nehemiah Maybe God's calling some of you to summon the courage in somebody else because you know what it is to stand and look at the pieces of your life. And had it not been for somebody else, had it not been for Dr. House speaking some life into me, when other church people, religious people, everybody who judged me and ridiculed me and walked away from me, oh, come on, I could sit here and tell you the sob story, but it's really not a sob story. When all of those people who I thought loved me and were my friends left me, I thought God did too until my spiritual father came up from where he was after I lost everything. I was sitting in the bank at my desk crying. It was my night to lock up. I shut the bank doors. Tellers had cashed out. And so once they were done with their job, my job was to lock all the money up. 
I used to lock that safe, spin everything down. I'm sitting there at my desk. I couldn't even leave because I knew what was waiting me. A lonely old hotel room. See, I'm getting too real for some of you because I'd already left her and my kids and had nothing to go to. And I thought, I can't go back there. Sitting there at the bank and all of a sudden, because the bank was in the mall, there was a knock on the glass. And protocol is once the doors are shut to the vault and stuff, you, I can leave the front doors to the bank open. Nobody can get nothing. Because everything that matters and is of value is locked up. I looked up. There was my old pastor. There's Dr. Howe. I hadn't seen him in a while. He said, I heard. He said, I heard you in trouble. And that you might need some help. That's how he said, I heard that you might be in some trouble and you might need some help. He comes in and for the next two hours and 15 minutes, we sit down in the bank. It was something after nine when we left because the bank closed at seven. He just ministered and he just listened. Everything I had to say, he didn't judge. Not once. Not once did he say, son, you shouldn't have done that because I already knew. He listened and he loved. I said he listened and he loved. And then he said the question was, well, what do you want to do? He said, because unless I know what it is that you want to do, I can't help you put the pieces back together. I mean, there's sometimes there'll be people that are trying to help you, but you, you haven't yet decided what it is that you want. That's why there are people that I can see that need help, but until they make a decision in their life, what advice I offer them, it's really of no value. You need to make a decision. Because otherwise, you're wasting my time and yours. You're wasting the anointing that God has put on me. So he said, you need to make a decision. He said, when you make a decision, you let me know and I'll help you. In other words, I'm called to be your Nehemiah. But he said, son, you need to remember one thing. There's nothing I can do that God can do that anybody else can do until you make that decision. He said, if you want to go back home, I'll help you. If you don't and you want to move on, I'll help you. See, see, do you see what he did right there? He didn't tell me what I thought, what he thought I needed. Sometimes we think we need to know all the answers. Sometimes we need to shut our mouth and let people hear from God on their own. Because if, if I'm always speaking on behalf of God, that never teaches you to hear God's voice yourself. Oh, I wanted desperate, Sister Teresa. I wanted desperate of him to say, this is what you need to do, son. But see, a good leader, a good man, ain't going to speak. He knows when to be quiet. So days and weeks go by, and I didn't talk to him. And then he called one day. He says, well, he said, did you decide? I said, I don't know. He said, well, I can't help you. Click. It's not that he didn't love me. But he knew it wasn't time to stir up the courage yet. He knew I was still wounded and weary. He knew I was still standing at the heap of the rubble and being intimidated. 
are the pieces that I had left. But when I finally summoned the courage, he knew it because he's moved by the Spirit and he called me. He called me, he says, well, he said, what's the news? I said, I'm ready. He said, what are you ready to do? I said, I'm ready to put my life back together again. He said, what does that life look like? What was he doing? Stirring up vision. Painting, painting the canvas. Tell me what it looks like to you so I know how to guide you. So I know what wisdom to give you. Some of you, that's what you need to be for people in this city. It's not that we're to provide everything for them, but we're help. We're to be there to speak life and to help them paint on the canvas again. We're here to stir up the dreams in some people. Some of you are called to be in Nehemiah's God. There's so much to this word I want to get to, and God's bringing it out in a whole other way. Oh, God, help us. If we read on in the text, there's a part of the text as you read on, and there are low points in the wall, I believe about verse six, seven, eight. There are low points in the rubble, and as they're rebuilding the wall, the Bible says that Nehemiah starts to take the burnt pieces that Sambalat and Tobias, if they even put those together even if a fox jumps on the wall it'll all come crashing down in other words the pieces that have been burnt and bruised and bloodied and been through the battle they're of no value and Nehemiah was pointing out oh yes they are there are people in our church and there are people in our city that they're still buried beneath the rubble See, the problem with some of us is we've been out of the rubble so long we almost forgot what it was like to be under. We've forgotten that when we're buried beneath the smoky, ashy rubble stones that we come out smelling and dirty. And Nehemiah uses the broken stones and he starts to build the wall again around the city for protection, but there are low points and it was at those low points, and I don't have time to get into it today. I'll have to continue this maybe Tuesday or, or Sunday. Nehemiah takes families. He takes families and stations them at the low points of the wall. So, glory to God. So he takes the Richardson family. So I'm going to put you right here, husband and wife right here. And then I'm going to take the masters and come on. I'm going to put you over here at this low point. 
watch this they didn't all have swords in fact the Bible says that Tobiah and Sanballat were such a threat that Tobiah and Sanballat they kept wanting to have a meeting with Nehemiah and this is what I've learned all the religious folk all the cranky folk in life, they always want to have a meeting. People want to have a meeting about scheduling a meeting. Oh, my God. People always want to have a meeting at the worst time. When people are trying to meet with me and I've got so many things on the books and calendar, I know it's a distraction. I can't preach that today. But there's a difference between a distraction and a disturbance. Nehemiah knew that that meeting was a distraction, so he ignored it. Some of you need to start learning how to ignore the things sometimes the enemy is throwing your way and only dealing with the things that are a real disturbance and let me put it to you this way Nehemiah kept saying no I don't have time to come down for some dumb meeting because I know who you are but it was not until they started breathing threats upon the destiny of the city that Nehemiah changed his tone and said no I, I don't have time to meet you but if you're going to keep breathe, raising your voice and you're going to keep talking to me and breathing threats on me and these people over our destiny, I'll cut you. I'm going to pull my knife. Oh, come on. How many of you will tolerate something so long? You'll tolerate your neighbor and then they, they go way too far. I'll tolerate your loud music and your perverse nonsense over there. But you do anything to disrupt my destiny. You do something to disrupt my sleep, which is going to compromise my destiny. I'm coming to your door. I'm going to knock on it. You're going to know who I am and I'm going to meet you nose to nose. See, I might be thin and puny, but I, there's something inside of me that when it rises up, you'll run. I promise you, some of you, you might not be scared of how skinny and meany, puny I look, but I promise you, I will scare you. I am a freak. I am scary. I have put bigger guys than most of you in here on the run because it, when it rises up, it's like the Spirit of the Lord rising up in me. I'm telling you, I'll make you cry like a little girl, nine years old in the corner. I'm just telling you. Brandon's three times my size and I've been in his face more than once. He's my friend, so I can tell you that. I said, bring it on, punch me. I did one day. I said, punch me. I went in afraid of no ghost. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? You know, our drummer, we're friends, but sometimes we don't always. I said, come on, hit me. I wanted him to. He didn't do it though. Because then I wanted an excuse to go back. Or somebody... Then, then there's all the religious folks saying, you mean the preacher? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Glory to God. Station families at the low points. But not every family member had a sword. Nope, nope, nope. Because there are some people who are on call to fight. See, I'm not really a fighter by nature. I'll pick up one when I need to. Nope. I, I did a leadership message to our pastors once called a shovel and a sword. Because sometimes God's trying to put a sword in your hand. Sometimes he's trying to put a shovel in your hand. Let me put it this way. Sometimes God is trying to put a sword in your hand and sometimes he's trying to put a swiffer in your hand 
Because not everybody's called to do the same thing. God's calling you and I to build people. God said, I need the, the people who can fight to carry the swords and stand at the low points. But I need those of you that can pick up a shovel to pick up a shovel. I need those of you that can put on a greeter tag to put on a greeter tag. I need those of you that can cook a meal for somebody. I need some of you that can speak life into someone who's addicted on drugs to do that. Are you hearing me? Not everybody was called to do the same thing, but they were all called to the same thing. And that was to build people. To build people because everybody should be able to identify with I'm burnt but I'm building see that's the one message that gets me in the door with it doesn't matter who it is someone say I, I'm, I'm addicted to, you know, I get it I know what it is to be burnt by life but you can build your life again I know what it is to hold your life in pieces. I know what it is to be broken like that because I know what it, when, when you are broken, you are broken in all the right places. It's not so shattered that God can't put it back. That city was in shambles and yet it was broken in all the right places. Broken so much that it was able to be put back together to bring security to a city again. And God used the people that used to inhabit the city to create a safe place for them to build people. God's calling on some of you today to build people. Your call might not be to help stand behind this pulpit or to teach on Tuesday night. I'm grateful and thankful you all filled in for me Tuesday night again. We're going to be sharing that love a lot here of late because I've got a lot of things on my plate. And so there's plenty of people to be able to speak and teach and all of those things. Bless God. So you never know who might be coming up next. So you better come hungry and ready. But the point is, is not everybody can do that. Some of you can do something. Maybe you're the one that grabbed the Swiffer. Maybe you're the one that does something else. See, you can be burnt, but still be. I don't care if you've been burnt by church, be a builder. I don't care if you've been burnt by your family, be a builder. I don't care what it is. I, I also don't care if you still feel like your life is in pieces. I've learned that God heals those pieces through time. And if you're waiting for the right time and the right word, it will never come. What you need to do is start building. Because as you start building with your burnt and broken pieces, suddenly you'll start realizing you're being healed. As you're helping to build somebody else. That's what Monday and Tuesday is about. Monday and Tuesday is not about giving out free clothes at the center up here. It is about building people. That's what it is. Thursday's distribution is about building people. The Dream Center is about building people. And what God needs you to understand is He needs you somewhere to pick up arms. Your arm might be a sword or your arm might be something else, but God needs you to, to make the determination, I'm gonna be, I may be burnt, but I'm building. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? Anybody remember that from grade school? Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? You. 
You didn't know it, but he called you to be a Nehemiah right now for such a time as this. To be a people builder. We're establishing a people builders network. Because we're just going to build people. Glory to God. We're about building people. I got about three-fourths of the message still to go. Stand where you are. We're going to stop it right there. Who knew Nehemiah chapter 4, 1 through 4 could get us this far? That's what I mean. There is so much more goodness. Today as we close, maybe, maybe you are like the people in our text returning back to your city, seeing it in pieces. Maybe you're at a point in your life and say, there's a lot of pieces left and I don't know where to start. So whether you don't know where to start or you don't know what to do with all the pieces. What I know is that you need a Nehemiah. So this day is really two parts. Some of you are called to surrender yourself for God to raise up a Nehemiah in your life, to let this church be a Nehemiah to you. And then some of you, God is trying to call you as a Nehemiah to help summon the courage in some people's lives. To help ignite and summon the courage. I, I don't want us to lose one more person and us failing to summon the courage in them. I don't want one more person to die, to leave this earth without reaching and fulfilling and working towards their destiny. And so whether you are standing in your life looking at a bunch of pieces, not sure what you need to do or what, what move you need to take next, or whether you're the person that says, I know I'm called to be in Nehemiah. I, I, I know I'm to help people summon the courage to stir up the grace for them to start over again. That's me. I want you to ponder that question just for a moment. And some of you might say, who, me? Yes, everyone in this room. So see, the altar call was simple. It's for everybody. In fact, you, you, can't even, you can't even manipulate or choose your way out of this one because it's one or the other. Either you're facing some broken pieces and you need a Nehemiah or you are the Nehemiah. That's it. Because the story, there's only one or the other, unless you're the same Balan and Tobiah. And if so, you really need to be up here because I need to lay some hands on you and get you delivered. So to be truthful, there's really three people. You're the Sambada and Tobiah. You're, 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 you're the, the enemy. You're called to be a Nehemiah or you're the one that says, I need a Nehemiah. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be seen. We can't wait on any other church to do it because they're not doing it. God called you and I to the be and to build the kingdom. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to build the kingdom and we're going to be 
workers and laborers for the kingdom. And we're going to help people summon the courage. Summon the courage. So if you're standing in front of pieces of your life and you need a Nehemiah, I want you to come stand over here on my left. And if you are a Nehemiah, come stand on my right. Yes, I need to separate you because I need you to see the visual. If you say, I need a Nehemiah, come over here. Stand right over here in front of the drums. And if you are the Nehemiah, you say, I'm called to be a Nehemiah, come, come stand over here in front of the piano. Hurry, 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 hurry. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to do this quick because I can smell the chicken and I know you're hungry. Hallelujah. You say, I'm, I am the Nehemiah in front of the piano. If I need a Nehemiah, my life is in pieces. I'll stand in front of the drums. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Move up close. Move up close. We make room for everybody. I am a Nehemiah over here in front of me. I need a Nehemiah over here. I need a Nehemiah. Oh, don't, don't be intimidated by the size because we're about to fix this right now. Because what good are all of you that are called to Nehemiah if we're going to leave the people in pieces right over here? So we're about to merge this thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're, it's one or the other. I am a Nehemiah. Or I need a Nehemiah. I need someone to help. Summon the courage to build again. Now, all of you who say, I am a Nehemiah, standing over to your right are some people that say, I need. I need a Nehemiah. Means some of someone in this room, you're called to them to be both a blessing and a bother. Just like I should be a blessing and a bother. Hallelujah. Now, for everybody that says, I am a Nehemiah, go. Go and start praying. I, I don't care if there's two or three of you on one person. Go. They need a Nehemiah. They need someone to summon the courage. I ain't going to do it all. Glory to God. Go, 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 go. Help them summon the courage. Two, three of you on one. Make sure these men, these men need men. Men, get around the men. I see three men over here that need uh, men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David needs a man. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Harley needs a man. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Love on them. Love on them. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Robbie. Just jump in over here with April. Hallelujah. I'll help you all out. Buddy, come on over here. Can I put you with one of the men? Hallelujah. Go right there with your daddy and just help lay hands. Hallelujah. We're, we're going we're gonna to rebuild the walls. We're going to breathe life right now. And Father, I'm going to pray for the people at home right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray over every broken piece. <coughs> I pray over every person that is, that is standing right now in front of pieces of their life and they are broken and they don't know where to begin. God, let this church be a Nehemiah. Let me, God, be a Nehemiah. Let this ministry be able to speak and summon the courage for people to put the pieces back together again, I pray in the name of Jesus. Not one person be left behind. Not one person be left out. Let this be a real family of people. Let us be a people that we're going to have a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other. A sword in one hand and a swiffer in the next. If I can't run a swiffer, I'll be a greeter. If I can't do that, I'll be a I'll be a teacher. If I can't be a teacher, I'll sing on the praise team. God help us in whatever way we can that we're going to help people to summon to put their lives back together in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. So Father, I pray that you would breathe upon people's lives right now. Breathe upon the hurting. Breathe upon those that are, that are broken right now. I pray life, God. I pray that God, that today you would release the grace for these people to start over again, to begin again in the name of Jesus. Name above every other name, Jesus Christ. Name of, above every other name, Jesus Christ. This is the brand new day of a brand new beginning. You might be holding pieces. You might, your life might be broken, but you are broken in all the right places. I said you are broken in all the right places. Yes, I said you are broken in all the right places. Places. God can put it all back together again. All back together again. Yes, with the broken pieces. Yes, with everything that looks wrong. Yes, with the things that went up in smoke. And yes, with all the ashes and the burnt stones. He can put it all back together again. Because I am burnt in all the right places. I'm broken in all the right places right now. In the name of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, minister and move and breathe through those homes today. Wherever people are, whatever they're doing, as they're driving down the road or they're watching on TV on their couch. God bless them, minister to them. They're burnt, but they're building. I know you feel burnt and broken, but you're building right now. You're just speaking life. God's speaking life into you. He's breathing upon you. He's using you again. He sent this word today to be a message of hope to you, to let you know that although you're holding the pieces in your hand and that you don't know where to start, he sent us by today just to be a Nehemiah and speak to you today and to bring order and structure into your life and to let you know that you can begin again right now in the name of Jesus. Name above every other name Jesus Christ we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I'm burnt but I'm building I'm burnt but I'm building I'm burnt, but I'm building. Hallelujah. 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 I'm burnt, but I'm building. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm burnt, but I'm building. My life is in pieces, but my pieces have purpose. Oh, hallelujah. All the pieces of your life has purpose. He'll use it again. He'll build a strong, sturdy wall out of the pieces of your life. He will. Out of the broken pieces of your life, he'll build a strong, sturdy wall because my pieces have purpose. Somebody needs to hear that. To every person you felt betrayed, who've been burnt by people, I'm telling you, your pieces have purpose. Had they not have betrayed you, had they not have been your Judas, oh, had Jesus not had a Judas, he never could have made it to the cross. Some of you had to have those people in your life. They had to betray you. You had to find out who they are so that you could have the pieces you have now to start. I'm I'm grateful that my Judas has revealed who they were because I'm in the rebuilding phase. Oh, hallelujah. He's taking the burnt, broken pieces of my life and he's building a a, a strong, sturdy wall. It might not look much like much to my enemies. And it might look like some weak and feeble, but step up on my wall with your hips and I'll cut you. 
Are you hearing me? That's what Nehemiah told Tobiah and Sambala. He, he said, I know it might like burn broken pieces to you, but put your hips or your lips on my wall and I will pull my sword. He said, I know I might have a broom in my hand right now. Because see, they were a shovel and a sword. He said, I might have a broom in my hand right now, cleaning up the broken pieces, but, but I will pull my sword and I will cut you if you put your lips or your hips on my wall. Hear me. Hear me, hear me. My enemies can say, let your enemies talk. My enemies talk all the time. I choose not to acknowledge them or say anything. I used to call them out by name on live TV. Then I realized I was just fueling the fire because I gave them the recognition that they wanted, that they so desperately needed. Now, I pay them no mind. But let me tell you, you step and threaten my destiny. I will cut you. That's what I was talking about earlier. That's what Nehemiah said. Sambal and Tobiah were no worry. As long as all they did was talk. But if they were stepped up on his destiny of what he was building, he would have cut them. He would have pulled his sword. God's calling you to be that Nehemiah today. Whether you're working with a broom right now, fine. But don't mistake my broom that I don't have a sword hidden. When you see me with that weed whacker, you see me running up, don't, don't mistake it that I've lost my mind. Or I've lost my, no. I got a sword and I will pull it and I will use it. Hallelujah. All right, somebody hearing me. Don't, don't mistake in uh, any of those things. That's why I'm saying God's calling you. Don't mistake it in anything. When God's calling people to teach and clean and on the praise team or calling people to media, don't, don't mistake it. I know some of you pull a knife when you need to. Uh-huh. So don't judge my pieces because I'm broken in all the right places. Hallelujah. Today, as we get ready to leave this place and go downstairs and have lunch, we're going to let you give your tithes and offerings. People online, we need you to give today. And when you give your tithes and offerings, if you want to, you say, I want to become a partner. See, you don't even have to give today. You just fill out the card, throw it in the offering plate, and that'll put you on their list. And you'll get a special invite to become a partner, a special cute letter, special emails. They send out special CDs and teachings of mine. And anyways, it's, it's a special club, really. And it really is because you guys get access to things and uh, whatnot that others don't we've sent out broad emails but this is something special and uh, if you want to do that take one just fill it out throw it in there and then the office staff will send you out one of our partner emails and get you connected and uh, hallelujah because we're going to build some people we're going to build some people when, when a neighbor up the street said they were moving I said how much you want for your house Yeah. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I need you to figure out your price. Tell me your price and come back to me. He said, well, what do you want with another one? I said, no, never you mind. Just don't you mind. We're building some people. And what we're about to build. Look at that. Praise God. Watch this. Let me share this story. If some of you are thinking, who, me? Yes, you. I'll close with this story. 
Thursday I was in here cleaning and I forget what else but I wasn't out at this distribution very much because when I was I was biting people's heads off so I had to come and get away the Bible says that Jesus went away often I had to go away often it just seemed like everybody had a dumb question so uh, rather than snapping at dumb questions I took myself away you, you, anyway. I got done it was nearing the end and they were had questions and mom had said hey you know what do you want us to do we're nearing the end of the line and so I went out and she said look over there and there was a man in a motorized wheelchair who they said he came and lives locally he came and got food delivered it to his neighbors down the street a couple blocks not next door I said a couple blocks on his motorized wheelchair going down Connellsville Street and um, Evans Street delivering to people who didn't have a way to come putting food on his legs but it wasn't enough that he delivered that food he took the food and then he came back and he said to them I, I don't know courage I ain't gonna do it all glory to God Go, 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 go help them summon the courage. Two, three of you. On one. Make sure these men, these men need men. Men, get around the men. I see three men over here that need uh, men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David needs a man. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Harley needs a man. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Love on them. Love on them. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Robbie. Just jump in over here with April. Hallelujah. I'll help you all out. Buddy, come on over here. Can I put you with one of the men? Hallelujah. Go right there with your daddy and just help lay hands. Hallelujah. We're, we're going we're gonna to rebuild the walls. We're going to breathe life right now. And Father, I'm going to pray for the people at home right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray over every broken piece. <coughs> I pray over every person that is, that is standing right now in front of pieces of their life and they are broken and they don't know where to begin. God, let this church be a Nehemiah. Let me, God, be a Nehemiah. Let this ministry be able to speak and summon the courage for people to put the pieces back together again, I pray in the name of Jesus. Not one person be left behind. Not one person be left out. Let this be a real family of people. Let us be a people that we're going to have a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other. A sword in one hand and a swiffer in the next. If I can't run a swiffer, I'll be a greeter. If I can't do that, I'll be a I'll be a teacher. If I can't be a teacher, I'll sing on the praise team. God help us in whatever way we can that we're going to help people to summon to put their lives back together in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So Father, I pray that you would breathe upon people's lives right now. Breathe upon the hurting. Breathe upon those that are, that are broken right now. I pray life, God. I pray that, God, that today you would release the grace for these people to start over again, to begin again in the name of Jesus. Name above every other name, Jesus Christ. Name of, above every other name, Jesus Christ. This is the brand new day of a brand new beginning. You might be holding pieces. You might, your life might be broken, but you are broken in all the right places. I said you are broken in all the right places. Yes, I said you are broken in all the right places. 
places, God can put it all back together again. All back together again. Yes, with the broken pieces. Yes, with everything that looks wrong. Yes, with the things that went up in smoke. And yes, with all the ashes and the burnt stones. He can put it all back together again because I am burnt in all the right places. I'm broken in all the right places right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, minister and move and breathe through those homes today. Wherever people are, whatever they're doing as they're driving down the road or they're watching on TV on their couch, God bless them, minister to them. They're burnt, but they're building. I know you feel burnt and broken, but you're building right now. You're to speak life. God's speaking life into you. He's breathing upon you. He's using you again. He sent this word today to be a message of hope to you, 